When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Hello, everybody. It is Thursday in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. My name is Adam Bittner, Assistant Sports Editor for Multimedia at the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, joined once again and as always by Paul Zeiss, Post-Gazette Sports columnist for our weekly Zeiss is Right podcast here on the Post-Gazette Sports Now YouTube channel, Post-Gazette Podcast Networks. Uh, Paul, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you doing, Adam? I am hanging in there. we got a lot to talk about today, Paul. Travis Kelsey decided to weigh in on Mike Tomlin um can't pass that up that's that's too much red meat there and also i want to talk about the the quarterback situation this year and the, and the choices that mike tomlin has primarily made and who plays and who doesn't um not just mason rudolph versus kenny pickett but mason rudolph versus mitch trubisky um you know i think that's that's going to loom large as we enter this final weekend with the steelers in the mix for the playoffs but certainly nothing is assured even if they win beat baltimore this weekend so i uh, want to get into that before we do just want to thank our primary sponsor for this episode and every episode of the Paul Zeiss Show here on the Post Gazette Sports Now YouTube channel, Pella Windows and Doors of Pittsburgh. There's no better place to get new windows and doors installed in your home than Pella, who can help you save on energy costs year-round. Schedule a free in-home consultation with your local Pella Windows and Doors to find the right product for your home and budget. Give them a call at 866-593-1560 to discuss your project further. That's 866-593-1560 to get started planning on your new windows and doors installation with Pella Windows and Doors of Pittsburgh. Paul, um, Travis Kelsey, who you know I think is the personification of media at this point has one of the most successful podcasts in the world. Um, obviously, his romance with Taylor Swift has been front and center this fall for NFL fans and people far beyond the sports landscape. Um, he weighed in on on the Mike Tomlin situation here in Pittsburgh, saying the media is dumb for suggesting that it's it may be time for him and the Steelers to part ways. That things have gotten a little bit stale. You and I have talked a ton about the uh, the Mike Tomlin situation on here. Travis Kelsey, I, I mean, honestly, I don't know how much he could possibly have to say about uh, the Steelers considering. I think he's got enough on his plate now, Paul. But what do you make of uh, Travis Kelsey's comments there as the red meat that I think everyone's talking about on social media today? Well, if Travis Kelsey is for something, I'm, I'm sure that we're on the right side of it if we're against it. That's for sure, because he's a total meathead. That's my first thought. Secondly, uh, this is not... Uh, that really uncommon of a, of, a, of a take from people that are in the NFL and whatever, because again, you know, Travis Kelsey, how much has he observed the Steelers really over the last five to eight years? Um, probably very little. His, his, in fact, his, uh, his, his dealings with the Steelers probably were in games where the, his team destroyed the Steelers. So my thing is maybe he wants Mike Tomlin to stay around because he knows it's easy for the Chiefs to beat the Steelers. Um, but the flip side of it is, again, I think most people are looking at the small picture, which is the never had a uh, losing season crap, 
and not looking at the big picture, which is hasn't really had a lot of winning postseasons either. And at some point you have to ask yourself, is the point to have non uh, uh, is the what, what is the point? Is the point to have non losing seasons or is the point to win in the playoffs? Um, and I think most of the people in this town will acknowledge that Mike Tomlin is a very good coach. Right. But he hadn't gotten done lately. And if they lose, you know, they don't, if they don't make a, if they don't win a playoff game this year, you know, that'll be the, what, 13 out of 17 years he hasn't won a playoff game. That's not a small sample size. And when you especially consider that two of those, two of those uh, four years happened in his first two, four years, in his first four years, two of those winning, you know, years where he won a playoff game, it probably puts it into even bigger perspective. Um, so to me, you know, all of these people on the outside, they, they all have something to say about the idea that somehow we're the crazy ones. When the reality is, you know, we're here every day. We watch it. We've watched it the last, you know, uh, six, seven years. And that's what our perspective is. And so, you know, Travis Kelsey, to me, you know, how about worry about being a good tight end again? Stop, you know, don't, stop worrying about, you know, saying, you know, and this this stick and this routine has started probably a year ago with him where he's like become this Mr. I'm WWE now. Uh, because that's going to be my next career. I know this career is winding down. I mean, he's absurd to me, and he's also irrelevant. So there's that. Well, I, I mean, any Swifties might watching dis might disagree, Paul. But um, let me ask the question this way: Do you think that it's like an industry thing, in that the people that are in the football industry respect the non-losing seasons thing a lot more highly than people that are? Because I think we're couching it as. Pittsburgh media versus the rest of the country a lot of the time. But sometimes I wonder if it's more of a, if you're in football and you work in football, listen, it's a Titanic achievement in my opinion. If you look at it just at that 30,000 foot level, 17 non-losing seasons, incredibly hard to do. Mike Tomlin, like you said, deserves a level of respect for that. Locally, we talk about how things feel stale though and how he has not won in the playoffs. But do you think that the people in the football industry just see it differently or do they look at the what like Mike, Mike, what Mike Tomlin has done over the last five or six years with an aging Ben Roethlisberger and the transition to you know new quarterbacks and say, hey, he kept them in the mix every single year during during that time when probably a lot of coaches would not have. There's something to be said for that. Absolutely, there's something to be said for the fact that they they keep themselves afloat and everything else, right? But I'm getting a kick, for instance, out of this whole thing about how, well, look, he got him the rebound, and look, they're coming back, and all this other stuff, and a lot of teams would have fallen apart here. Okay, if he's the, this great coach that's able to rally the troops, why did they lose the two two and ten teams back, you know, back to back, so that they're in this situation that they're in to begin with? I mean, Adam, how many years in a row now have we watched this team have to scramble at the end of the year to try and make it to the playoffs? How many years in a row now have we seen that? So, okay, it's great. His teams haven't fallen apart at the end and they, they keep fighting till the end and all that other stuff, good. But the flip side of that is, could you win some of the games earlier in the season that you're supposed to win so you don't have to be in this situation every single year? I mean, it's, it's a vicious cycle. I don't know that it's 100% fair all the time, but I also know this, these, these, these people like Travis Kelsey – who want to just keep, you know, throwing these kinds of things out there without any context, I think it's a problem if you ask me. It's a real problem. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I can see that side of the argument for sure, Paul. I want to transition this Mike Tomlin conversation into how he's managed the quarterbacks because, to me, Paul, the central choice on which this entire season could hinge, and if this, especially if the Steelers miss the playoffs. So I think if they make it, you can make an argument there's water under the bridge there. But you mentioned those two losses to Arizona and New England and then the subsequent loss to Indianapolis. And that was because he picked Mitch Trubisky over Mason Rudolph. And, and we've been sitting here debating – for a couple of weeks now, should it be Mason Rudolph starting over Kenny Pickett? How, but how do you get that evaluation wrong, Paul? How do you, how do you look at those two guys in practice? How do you bring back Mitch Trubisky and, and you know, with a guy that you were willing to bench so quickly to move on to the third string guy that you're now more comfortable than you are with the guy that was originally your starting quarterback. Don't you think that Mike Tomlin deserves criticism for how he's handled this to, to put them in this position to your point? Absolutely. Uh, but I don't know that it's all his fault. I think the front office plays a part in it too. They 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 were the ones that went out and signed Mitch Trubisky. Again, there were a few of us in this town, and I and I I usually don't be you know pat myself on the back, who questioned the logic of a guy played in Chicago was not very good, and then he sits out for a whole year, and because he's sitting behind. Uh, Josh Allen, all of a sudden, he's going to be revived and he's going to be a completely different player when they sign him. They signed him, and once you sign him, guess what? He has to be the backup. There's no, you know, ands, ifs, or buts about it. He's going to be the guy because they gave him big money, and, and, and almost it's almost like the other thing that's comical is they signed Mason Rudolph almost – he was just a throw-in at the end of the offseason. It was just kind of like, well, you know, we'll give him a little contract because, you know, he, he, he will we'll guarantee a little bit of money to him and, and he'll be our emergency, you know. If he had gotten a, a deal somewhere else that was for guaranteed money, he wouldn't even be here. And then where would the Steelers be? I mean, that's, you know, that to me, it's not just – that one's just not on Mike Tomlin. It's on the front office as well. Because when you sign a guy like Mitch Trubisky to the money they gave him, he's got to be the backup, period. Do you think we're overreacting to the sample size with, with Mason Rudolph in this conversation, though, Paul? Um, do you think that he would have beaten those teams? I mean, let's, let's just say Arizona, New England, Indianapolis. If you get the Mason Rudolph that we've seen so far in those three games, how many do you think the Steelers win? Um, I'm going to say they probably don't come back to beat the Cardinals. And I'm going to say they do beat New England. And I think it's a toss-up whether they beat Indy. Because uh, Indy did, I think, put up like 30 points in that game, right? Well, I mean, I think it, it's hard. To, I think they would have won at least one of those three games. Put it that way. And if they won one of those three games, we'd be looking at Saturday much different than we're looking at it. Um, but and here's the other part of it, okay? I'll even go the opposite of that for, for, for you, Adam. If you had Mitch Trubisky for the last two weeks, would they have won either of those two games? And, and, and I, I would have to seriously question whether they would have or not. And they were able to beat uh, they were able to beat Cincinnati because their passing game because they went crazy early, right? And then they were able to basically take a big lead, which they had never had. I can't remember the last time they were up 24 nothing, and, and just you know squeeze the life out of the Bengals. I mean, I think if Mitch Trubisky would have played it, it, it likely could have been like it was seven nothing at halftime or something. It was, it's a much different game. Man, who knows? Maybe he throws a couple of picks, and it's you know ten seven the other way. Um, and 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 in terms of Seattle, again, everything that's working for the Steelers right now, they're it's working because there's actually a threat of a pass right now. 
they, teams have to respect the throw down the field. They have to respect the pass a little bit. We saw that in Seattle when they tried to move their safeties up. We, they, you know, Mason Rudolph made them pay. I don't know that either of the other two quarterbacks would have done that. So to me, I think if Mason Rudolph would have played, to answer your question, the last five weeks, it wouldn't shock me if the Steelers were four in one of those five games. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that way too. I think it was 50-50 whether you beat Indy because they were in that game for for decent chunks even though they weren't playing very well and then they kind of got away from them at the end. Um, I just think they were in such a hole with Arizona, with the, the rain delay, all that stuff. I think it would have chopped things up enough that I think it was going to be hard to come back after the hole they had dug themselves. But, uh, you know, I would have liked to have, to have seen, you know, how they could have fared in that game. So, um, you know, I, I think, again, that's that's where it's it's just – that's going to be the, the theme of the season if they miss the playoffs, Paul, is that you didn't get it right with that choice. And you're right. There are other people involved in that conversation. But to me, the, the buck stops with the guy who sees them in practice every day um, and, and makes the choice when the season's on the line. Like, look, if you want to say Mr. Trubisky's the number two when Kenny Pickett's the starter and and you want to give him his shot, but as soon as it's it's obvious that you know he's not going to get the job done, you, you got to have a quick hook and you got to be quick to acknowledge the mistakes to avoid the situation where you're in. And yeah, it's just part of the stubbornness we've seen with with this regime that includes Tomlin, but also includes Omar Khan and some of the guys that came before him in the front office. Um, Paul, I also wanted to ask about um, now that you've digested the week a little bit. Are you sure Kenny Pickett? Because we talked about this on the post game show, and you were pretty confident that Kenny Pickett's definitely your number one to start next season. Is the way things have unfolded and that his apparent dissatisfaction, even if he didn't refuse? outright to be the backup as, as some people have reported let's just say he he's not happy um do you think it's 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 a sure thing that, that he's the number one going into next season especially if mason rudolph plays well this weekend well i i think if he plays well this weekend here's the thing adam if they don't make the playoffs i think there's no question two things are probably going to happen one mason rudolph will not be here next year and kenny pickett will be the starter even if Mason Rudolph plays well and they win and then they just don't make the playoffs because of tiebreakers, I, 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 I believe that Kenny Pickett will be the starter next year. I do. I could see a situation. I mean, I think Mitch Trubisky, we can all agree, is gone. I think if Mason Rudolph wins a couple of playoff games, that's different. Then all of a sudden, I think the Steelers have to take the idea of him being their starter seriously. But if he say he wins, especially since they just announced Tyler Huntley is starting for the for Baltimore, which is not a surprise. We knew that was going to happen, but it just got announced, so it's official. Um, it's easy if you're the Steelers to say, well, you know, the Bengals' defense was bad. Seahawks are terrible against the run, and so we were able to use play action. And he played against the skeleton crew in Baltimore. We're not ready to tie our entire future to him, right? And then you cut him. And you, uh, or you don't cut him, actually. You just don't re-sign him. He goes somewhere else as a backup somewhere. Mr. Trubisky's gone. And, and then they go out and sign a veteran. But to me, I look at the guys available. And unless you're bringing in somebody who's going to legitimately try and push Kenny Pickett for the starting job, I would hope that you would think about Mason Rudolph, at least as your backup. Now, Mason Rudolph might say, I'm going to go somewhere else where they're going to give me a shot really to start. But the counter to that is, well, you're, 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 it's basically you're fighting against Kenny Pickett. Do you think you can beat him out? <laughs> you know, you go over here. I'm not sure who's over here you're going to have to compete with. But here, you, you already know who you got to compete with. And quite frankly, your last three bodies of work 
probably puts you in a position where you are at the very worst um, on even ground. So I just believe that, this, you know, I, I believe this. If the Steelers don't win a couple playoff games with Mason Rudolph as the starter, Kenny Pickett will be the starter next year. And I would say there's less than a 50% chance Mason Rudolph will be back. Wow. I mean, I, I admit I admire you staying firm to your, your feelings, Paul. I just I just think that man, he's been so good, and we haven't seen much of that from Steelers quarterbacks in five years, as we've talked about. It's gonna be a, a, a tough, a tough pill for I think a lot of people to swallow after getting teased with these last couple of games. And granted, my, Mason Rudolph could go out there and be the guy that tied the Lions 16-16 and um, you know, maybe this changes the tenor of the conversation. But right now, boy, I mean, that's that's tough. I think for a lot of people to hear. Um, Paul, do you have any do you have any concern about the evaluation of quarterbacks moving forward, given the way that this season has unfolded, given the way that that Kenny Pickett has gotten his shots by any reasonable measure and has not lived up to um, you know any any expectations? I think he still has six touchdown passes for the entire season. That's not good enough. I, do, do you do you look at Mike Tom? Do you look at Omar Khan and, and Andy Weidel and the guys they have in that front office and say, I don't know how I feel about them being able to bring in anyone that can fix this situation in the long term. I'm probably more concerned when I look at their evaluation of quarterbacks that they all sat in a room and they determined that Chris Alouadoukin is a better choice than Brock Purdy. That that probably is, is a little bit more alarming to me than uh, than anything else. Um, and I believe that they picked Kenny Pickett. And people say, well, because he went to Pitt, if he went somewhere else. it's I don't believe it's because he went to Pitt, Adam. I believe it's because they were familiar with him. They're familiar with his body of work. If that Isn't makes that sense. the same thing? No, because, I mean, I think what it is is they got to see him a lot. They got to see him play. They got to see him practice. They got to see him a lot. They were familiar with him, you know. Um, so... I guess technically it is, but I think there are some people that are trying to, to make it out like, oh, well, they, they just wanted him because he you know, played well at Pitt. No, I think the fact that he was at Pitt made him local and made him somebody that was accessible to them, that they were able to really see him up close and personal at practice and a lot of other places, and uh, they got to know him and all that other stuff. It's a proximity thing, but it's also a familiarity thing. So... To me, I think when they knew they needed to take a quarterback, they evaluated all the quarterbacks in that draft. And let's face it, looking back at that draft, I I, I don't know that any of those guys were first-rounders, second-rounders, or even third-rounders, right? Yeah, I mean, well, and I, but I think that that is a – but that, that's where you, you say, Paul, did that make the difference that he was here? And I would say the same thing if you brought in Trace McSorley five years ago whatever – it doesn't. The Pitt Penn State thing doesn't matter, and it, people get lost in the sauce. And way too much radio airtime in this town gets devoted to whether the critics of Kenny Pickett are just Penn State fans, or whether the critics of I don't know, Pat Fryermuth just hate him because he went to Penn State. I mean, I, I'm not here for any of that. I I just think that if you look at the totality of the roster, like Pat Fryermuth's here, who's who's the other quarterback in the room right now? One of the other four. Trace McSorley is their number four. Um, I, I just wonder if that proximity thing is weighing too heavily in too many personnel decisions. Right. Well, I mean, I agree. I mean, I, I don't know that too many because Pitt is, I mean, the Steelers haven't traditionally gone out and taken Pitt players. But I think in this situation, 
I mean, seriously, look into history of the last 15 to 18 years. They haven't gone out and taken a bunch of pit players. And there were a few there that probably, you know, they, looking back, they, they should have. But my point is, I, I don't know that their evaluation of quarterbacks, I don't know, put it this way, with Andy Weidel and Omar Khan, I don't know that we can necessarily get 100% behind the idea that their evaluation of quarterbacks is bad. First of all, Pickett was drafted by Colbert. Second of all, um, uh, Mitch Trubisky was actually re-signed, wasn't he? Or did they, no, they signed him to a two-year deal initially, right. I think. Right. right. So I mean, so they have responsibility he, for him. He was here. My point is, he he was here. And Mason Rudolph, let's face it, they were signing him as sort of a third guy. That hey, if we have a third emergency quarterback, at least he knows the system. Yada yada. Right. So. I don't know that we can say their evaluation of quarterbacks are bad other than I'm not sure, you know, how you can watch practices. Although I, I will say this, if you went and put them in practice right now, Mitch Trubisky would look better than Mason Rudolph because he's got more arm talent. You know, he's a better athlete. He does all the things that you want. He's one of those guys though, that once the, once the bright lights get on, he just loses his mind. He, he just forgets how to play or something. I don't know what it is. You know, some guys are good under pressure and some guys aren't. I mean, Rudolph, I don't know that he's a model of handling pressure, but he seems, he sure seems a lot more calm in the pocket. And sure he, knows, seems, he knows where the ball should go. And I think exactly. that is, there's a lot of people drawing the like connection to Ben Roethlisberger. He's the only guy who played with Ben. And and the thing that I've noticed in these couple of years, and I've said this a few times on this podcast, is that even when Ben's physical skills were gone, he knew where the ball needed to go. And I think that made the difference in a lot of those comebacks and a lot of those close wins was, you know, that that his 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 brain was still there. And, and the whether he could execute everything physically was a different question, but um, he knew where the ball needed to go. And I think that's what we've seen with Mason Rudolph is there's a decisiveness and he knows where the ball needs to go. And and I think there's 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 something to be said for that. True. Sometimes you can't evaluate that always in practice. That's all I'm telling you. You know, in practice, it's a little bit less. Uh, and, and you're you're evaluating a little bit more on talent. By the way, I just saw this list. You'll, you'll love this. The quarterbacks who are starting this week, here's a list of guys who are starting games, uh, starting with our good friend Tyler Huntley. Tyler Huntley, Sam Darnold, Blaine Gabbert, Jeff Driscoll, Carson Wentz, Nick Mullins, Trevor Simeon, Easton Stick, Tyrod Taylor, Sam Howell, Jarrett Stidham. And you know who else they put on the list? Mason Rudolph. I don't think that's very fair to Rudolph. But, um, you know, it, it just goes to show you, I just don't think there's that many good quarterbacks. Yeah, so, it, is, so, it is an exact science. I mean, looking at that list, I bet you Mitch Trubisky gets a job again next year. Someone's going to oh, give him a shot next year. Yeah. There's no question. So my point is um, – I think the Steelers this offseason, this is you I, I, listen, when I'm wrong, I say it. This is one of those things where I think they will basically have Kenny Pickett and they'll go out and sign a veteran and might even draft a guy. They'll have a completely different quarterback room this next year. Yeah, I, I think that's possible, Paul, but I, you know, I think there's gonna be a lot of noise between here and there if they don't bring Mason Rudolph back and he plays well this weekend. Um, I want to get into the, the colleges a little bit here, the Peach Bowl and some of the national stuff with Michigan and Washington winning their college football playoff games. Before we do, just want to thank a couple more sponsors, Goldberg, Persky, and White. 
If you were diagnosed with mesothelioma or lung cancer, call your local attorneys at Goldberg, Persky & White. For over 40 years, their firm has represented thousands of lung cancer and mesothelioma victims. Call 1-800-COMPLEX or visit gpwlaw.com for a free consultation. also want to thank Propel Schools. Propel's 13 public charter schools in Allegheny County built a solid academic foundation for lifelong learning and offer more personalized instruction at every level during your child's kindergarten through 12th grade education journey. Give your children the quality education they deserve. Learn more and apply to Propel Schools by visiting propelschools.org. Paul, um, Penn State goes down to the Peach Bowl, and the defense that was quote-unquote ranked number one all season statistically, who got to play Michigan State and Indiana and Rutgers and um, Iowa and, and the best that they have going on down there, they end up uh, getting kind of exposed by Ole Miss, give up four, 540 yards of offense. Um, what, what, what's your assessment of, of Penn State, given the way they looked on a national stage um, uh, against a, a good team? And, and once again, they lose and do so with their with their defense being um, you know shredded. Well, um, it's hard, Adam, because again, they had, you know, some very important players not playing, you know what I'm saying? That's what's so tough for me with all these bowl games, you know, is trying to figure out, okay, who was playing, who wasn't playing. Um, you put those four guys back in the Penn state defense. Did they give up 400 some yards like that? Yeah. I mean, I said this on the Penn state podcast that I did with Seth Engel. I mean, obviously if you have Johnny Dixon and Kalen King there at the two corner spots, you're not getting, I think nearly as exposed, but still Paul, I, I think there's a big difference between a dominant number one defense and a defense that looks like that because of four players, right. Or, or, you know, two, two corners and maybe to a lesser degree, some of the other guys like chop Robinson, like they had eight, nine guys rushing the passer well this year, Paul, it should not it's, that should not be the gap. It's, it's Should you look worse? Sure. I mean, Ole Miss is good. You have less of your guys. This is also next season's defense, though, Paul. And I looked back and I cited these statistics on the Penn State podcast with Seth as well. The last three games against SEC opponents that they've played in bowl games, they've given right. up 420-something yards on average. And then the last five bowl games overall, that includes that Cotton Bowl win against Memphis, includes the Rose Bowl win against Utah. They've given up close to 450 yards a game. It's like as soon as they step outside the Big Ten and see a competent offense, Paul, it's 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 still good defense, but is it an elite defense? Well, I mean, again, that's a fair that's a fair question, but I don't know that. I, I, again, I just have a hard time when you take four key players out of a out of a, a unit. Uh, I, have a, I, have a, I have a hard time, you know, judging them the same way I would if those four players played. Uh, Penn State, though, uh, they have a troubling trend, and the troubling trend is, well, they, they, they beat the teams they're supposed to beat, the, the teams that they have more talent than they beat, teams that have as much talent as they do or, or you know, a little more talent they don't seem to beat. So the larger question about elite is, are they elite? And I think that so far, James Franklin has built a reasonably good program and, you know, he's a great CEO coach and all that other stuff, but they're still probably a notch behind the elite. And maybe part of that is their defense, but part of that I think is, is Drew Allar, the guy you're going to go into next year with as your quarterback. Maybe. I mean, I, I think they, you know, there's a couple of things they've got to do better and get better at, but it, it, the, the troubling trend is just to me, when they play somebody that has as much talent as they do, they seem to lose. 
Here's the thing, Paul. I don't know if Ole Miss has as much talent as them. I, I think <laughs> you go down the roster. I think Penn State has more talent, and and I think Ole Miss was a better team. And that's where, you know, I think there, there, there's valid questions. And here's what I'd say, Paul. I have no confidence, having watched that Peach Bowl, and even if Penn State had their guys in there, that they don't get diced up by Michael Penix and, and Washington and and that passing attack and some of these other paths. That that I think Ole Miss probably still wins the game. To be honest with you. If Kalen King and 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 Johnny Dixon are in there, maybe it's a little bit closer. Maybe you don't give up nearly as many explosive plays, but um, you know, I still think they lose that game, having seen it up close. That that the the Penn State defense is just you have to adjust for the teams that they play, and I think the Big Ten is in such a garbage position, at least with the teams that were in the Big Ten this season. Maybe next year when you add Oregon, USC, Washington the quality comes up, but there's so many bad offenses, Paul. And I think they propped up not just Penn state. I think they propped up Ohio state. I think to some extent they propped up Michigan, right? Is, is that Michigan gets to play these, these trash teams and, and just dominate them. And, and that, that's kind of my big takeaway from bowl season is, is that the big 10 just does not have the offenses that you can fairly evaluate how the Penn states and the Ohio states and the Michigans of the world are going to compete on a national stage. And I think that leads well into my next question, Paul, which is, you know, going into next season, do you think that there's poss- possibly a difference between Penn State getting to the playoff and being an actual threat to win in the playoffs? Because for a long time, I've kind of felt like, well, if they get to a 12-team playoff, they get different matchups than Ohio State and Michigan, they'll have a chance to to maybe, you know, do what the Steelers did when they won a couple of those Super Bowls in the Peyton Manning and Tom Brady era, which is beat the right teams at the right time and, and hoist your Lombardi trophies. I think that was my theory for Penn State, but watching them play that game against Ole Miss, it, it makes you wonder that, you know, if they face a team like that in a playoff, can they really win? Well, no. I mean, that's that's the point. One of the things Penn State fans, and, I, and I'm glad you said that because I've heard that from a lot of Penn State fans. Well, if they just, they, next year they'll get into the 12-team playoff, yada, 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 right? Um, and, and, and once they get in, I mean, anything can happen. No, I don't believe that. I don't believe anything can happen, especially not in college football. Um, I think that, you know what, Penn State's got to get better. Um, what were they, 10th, 11th going into the bowl season? Yep, 10th. 10th. So that means they would have played, what, if, uh, so the top four get a seed, so uh, five plays 12, six plays 11, seven plays 10. They would have probably, what, that, that was that Georgia or somebody, they could have got somebody like Georgia, basically, right? I think Georgia was sixth, maybe, maybe Georgia was sixth. Uh, I yeah. Okay. So for purposes of uh, playoff game, I bet you they would have flipped those two and they might've got Georgia. Is Penn state beating Georgia this year? No, they're not. Um, my thing is just because you get into the, just because they expand the playoffs to get you in, that doesn't necessarily mean that that that's taking you to the next level. You know, there's a whole lot of teams that are going to get into the playoffs that will never win a playoff game or never become close to getting to the final four. Right. Um, so Penn state's got to prove that they can do it at a, at a higher level than they're doing it. That's, that's the biggest thing they're going to have to do. Yeah, I agree, Paul. I want to ask you a couple of national questions too. Um, specifically, there's just been a lot of discourse. I know you were talking about it last week with the opt-outs of the orange bowl. Um, it was ugly. Uh, Georgia dominated a Florida state team that didn't frankly belong there. With the <laughs> that they brought. Um, do you think that the 12 team format fi- fixes the big bowl games? Um, number one, in that you're not going to have opt-outs. They're all going to be playoff games. They're all going to be nationally relevant. So we don't have to sit and talk about an Orange Bowl that, that is a joke. 
Um, and number two, do you think that the future of every like lower tier bowl game below that is just going to be, you're going to have opt-outs. You're going to have, you're basically looking at these games as a preview of next season more so than you're looking at as a capstone to the season that just ended. Is that an acceptable college football world for you where, where the citrus bowl, you know, it doesn't matter now. It's probably not going to matter in the next world. Um, but, but maybe we just have to reframe our understanding of what bowl games are. Well, I would say this teams that have the multiple NFL guys, the top picks for the most part, those teams are going to be in the playoff. I mean, those, if you see the, the most opt-outs, right, you don't see a ton of opt-outs early in the bowl season, right? You don't see a ton of opt-outs, even, you know, you see, a, even like a team like USC has one or two. And obviously it was, a, it was an important one, but hell, the kid they played looked like he was better than the kid that opted out. My point is, you're probably going to have less opt-outs from the standpoint of the biggest bowl games have the best players. Now, here's where it gets dicey, Adam, and this is what nobody wants to talk about. If they're not going to play pay players more for these games, right? I use the example of Jared Verse from Florida State. He played in the, AFC, in the ACC championship game. That's game number 13. They finished number five, which means they'd have to win four games to win the national championship. You think some of these guys are signing up to play 17 game seasons? I bet you there's going to be some opt-outs. It won't be quite as bad, but there will still be some opt-outs when it comes to the playoffs. Or there'll be guys who, you know, they're a little bit banged up and they probably could play that won't play. So I don't think it's going to fix everything. I think, honestly, if you're going to go to this 12-team format and you want to make it fixed, every, you should get every player that is on the roster for these games because there's enough money being thrown around. Every, every player on these rosters that for these games, they should get, say, 25 grand each for playing the first one, right? And then if you play in the second one, you get 50 or whatever. If you play in the third one, you get 75 and you, play, you get 100 or whatever. My point is, if you, if you, uh, you know, there, there's got to be an incentive beyond, well, this, uh, we're going to win a national title. There's got to be an incentive to get guys to play. Otherwise, I bet you there will be opt outs in these games, too. Oh, I, I disagree with that, Paul. I think that, that even if there's the suggestion that a guy might opt out, I think they will find the NIL money to get that guy to come. I, I don't, I don't think there's any way that if, let's say, hypothetically, it was Penn State and you said that, that Nick Singleton was going to opt out of the bowl game. I think Penn State finds the money to make sure he's there for the entire playoff run. I just, I think, that especially because we're talking about the programs that are going to have the money in those games. We're not going to be talking about other than you know a group of five team. We're not going to be talking about like a pit, which might a pit maybe pit would struggle. But I thought, to get but the I money thought it was against the rules to to incentivize pay, playing in bowl games. I thought it was against. I thought the whole pay for play thing was against. The, <laughs> I'm the just saying. Collective. I mean, I just I, like I I. I I'd be surprised if that's how, because also technically that first round, Paul, those, those aren't bowl games. They're playoff games that aren't bowl. And I, I actually don't know. And I've been asking everyone. I know this question, do the losers of these uh, first round college, you know, on campus college football playoff games, do they get to go to bowl games? Like if you, if you go, if you're Penn state and you go and you lose at Georgia, are you done? Are you done there in like the beginning of December and you don't go to like the citrus bowl or something? I haven't had that answered for me yet, but I'm assuming the answer is yes. So I think, you know, I think those guys are I think I think it's gonna take care of itself. Well, we'll see. I'm just telling you, uh, I know this. 
if I'm a guy that's looking at a 10 or 12 or $13 million contract, I'm not sure, you know, I'm not sure that uh, the, whatever they're going to give me to, to play in a, in, a, in a bowl game is going to be enough. I just don't. I mean, we'll see. I just think there's, I think there will be opt outs. That's all I'm going to tell you. We'll see. I'm, I'm curious to see how that unfolds. Uh, Paul, I, I, there's been a lot of doomerism about the 12 team playoff as well. Um, during this past, these past couple of weeks, I tend to think that there's, you know, people saying that it's going to devalue the regular season. I think there's going to be more games that are relevant, Paul. And I think that that is, um, I think that's something that's hurt college football is that, you know, you lose one game in a lot of circumstances and your season's, you know, functionally over for, for competing for a national title. And, you know, you have teams that lose early on that, that really have to claw their way back. I think Alabama and that, that Texas game and the committee makes a different decision. You don't get to see that classic Rose Bowl with Michigan and Alabama in it. Um, do you think we go into next year and we, we, we're at this point and we say, man, we watched more games that were more relevant and, and had a higher level of competition, you know, as competing for the national championship than we did before? Or do you just say, ah, it's going to be the same. We're just going to let more teams in at the end than we were before. And the, the quality of play is probably not going to change that much. Uh, I think we're going to see good games. It's going to be tough. The group of five team playing against is always going to be, you know, that team playing against one of the best teams is probably going to be a problem. But for the most part, I think we're going to see good games. You know, I don't, and, and I think that the, in the playoffs and I think in the regular season, there's going to be a lot more intrigue because you have more teams that are going to be alive and more teams that are playing relevant games. And it's not, well, we lost our second game, so now we're playing for nothing, right? I think it's going to be good for college football. To be honest, like I said, and this will just rope us back into our last discussion, I've floated this out there. They should go to a 2014 playoff. The hell with it. 2014 playoff and then leave like 10 bowls or 12 bowls for those teams that don't make the playoffs from smaller conferences or, you know, the, the nine-win Big Ten team that doesn't make, you know, those kind of teams, let them go to these, these bowl games um, that, that are actually rewarding teams for having good seasons. But to me, make more of your postseason games, actually postseason games, then all of a sudden you have all kinds of games that are far more relevant. Yeah, I mean, there's part of me that would love to see that, Paul, but then there's also part of me that's like, does that lead to a 7-5 and five team? Like, where, where, where does that bar ultimately go down to? And I, I think I think 24 teams, you know, there's, there's I forget who it is. Uh, I think it might be Andy Staples, that one college football fund that says, there's only 20 programs that have a chance to win the national championship. I think if you start getting past 20, um, you're, you're starting to include teams that just don't have a chance. And I, I, I worry that that might be a little more watered down. All right, everybody, apologies. We lost their Paul. We lost Paul there at the end to some technical difficulties. So we're going to wrap the show here. I want to thank Paul for joining. As always, I want to thank you for joining. If you enjoyed this video, please like uh, the video, help us out in the YouTube algorithm. Please also subscribe to the channel so you don't miss any of our videos for the rest of the week. We're going to have Christopher Carter on the North Shore Drive on Friday talking a lot more Steelers, Ravens, getting you ready for that one. Um, we'll also have some college basketball talk, I think, later on today, Thursday. And, um, yeah, but lots of good stuff, so make sure you're signed up. And uh, we will talk to you again next week. And remember, remember, me and Paul will also be here on Saturday after Steelers-Ravens for our Steelers post-game show on the post post at Sports Now YouTube channel, post at Podcast Networks, um, and I think both the Facebook and Twitter feed. So if you don't follow us here, follow us there, and, and we'll, uh, we'll have plenty of reaction whether the Steelers get the win they need to get into the playoffs or whether they lose and, and are in a tough position to possibly make the playoffs. Uh, we'll, we'll react to it all. So make sure you're along for the ride and we'll talk to you again soon.
Thank you for checking out this content from Post-Gazette Sports. If you watch this video on YouTube, please like the video and subscribe to our channel. For all of the sports coverage the Post-Gazette has to offer, visit post-gazette.com.